If you have a Bible with you, turn to Isaiah chapter 8. Isaiah chapter 8. As we continue our Home for the Holiday series, we're starting our season of Advent as well. So they're kind of overlapping, but it's still the same series. Uh, We're going to do Advent a little bit different this year. Uh, The past couple years that I've done Advent here, um, it's been very, very focused on each of the themes. Uh, This time I want us to focus on the characters, on the people who are involved that make up the Christmas story. And we'll still be talking about uh, hope and love and joy and peace, but we'll be focusing on the characters as well. And so uh, it's really because when you're home for the holidays, you encounter different family members, different friends that have different personalities. And it makes up the family and friend group that you're in. And in the same way with the Christmas story, there's different people involved. They have different personalities and they all bring something different to the table. And so in Isaiah chapter 8, Starting in verse 19. When someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult with the dead on behalf of the living? Consult God's instruction and testimony of warning. If anyone does not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. When they are famished, they will become enraged, and looking upward will curse their king and their God. Then they will look towards the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom, and they will be thrust into utter darkness. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice in the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning and will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. If you would join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and for this opportunity to worship you and hear your word. Lord, as we take these next several weeks and just as a reminder of your story and what you've done and celebrating your birth, we just thank you that we have this opportunity to to get to know you better, to look and remember your great story of, of how you were born and where that would lead you in Easter and on the cross. Lord, how you give us so much hope and love and joy and peace. 
Lord, may you speak to us today, and may you speak through me as you only know how. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So do you have that one family member, or maybe a few family members, that's just such a great storyteller that it seems like the stories that they tell just can't be true? Right? You have one of those? If you don't, you're probably that person. And so it's like whenever they tell a story, everyone's involved, everyone's listening, everyone wants to hear, but at the end of it, you're like, "Eh, I'm not sure that was true. I'm not really convinced that that actually happened that way. And so uh, I always think about the like fishing stories that I heard as a kid, you know, like they would tell you, oh, I I got a fish that was this big, you know, it it was so massive and it was in this place and you're like, I don't know. I've been there before. It, I've never caught something that big. Or um, like my, my parents, as a, as a kid, I heard my dad and my uncle talk about their hunting stories all the time. And so we hunted on the same land. And all the time, I would hear about this just massive buck, this trophy buck that just roamed the land and no one could seem to find it. and No one could seem to get it. But there was always this story of this massive buck that was just roaming around. And as a kid, when I started hunting, I was like filled up with hope. I'm like, I'm going to be the one that gets that trophy buck. I don't even know if the trophy buck exists. But what I do know is that I wanted to be the one to get it. Now, for the longest time, I did hunt with my dad and because I was part of the youth season. So I had to be with him. And I'm not entirely convinced now looking back that he would have let me get that buck when he was with me. Like he probably would have taken the rifle and said, no, I've got this one. You can get the next one, right? But it still filled me up with hope because I knew that I was going to hunt on that land. And so every time I heard these stories, even as unbelievable as they may have been, it still filled me up with a little bit of hope. And so these stories can do the same thing for you. They can fill you up with hope and think, well, if if they got that, whether it's true or not, if they got that, maybe I could too. But there's also the other side. You're like, they didn't get that. That's not true. I don't have to go there because I'd have to see it to believe it. And since I won't ever be able to see it because it's not true, I'm never going to believe it. And there is these people in the Bible called the prophets. And they were great storytellers. They were great uh, people that walked around the earth and they told people about what God was saying. But it left people the same way that those great storytellers that we have in our family members left us. Either filled up with hope for a better tomorrow or unbelief, doubt, maybe even some more fear. And one of the most famous prophets that's mentioned in the Advent season is Isaiah. Not only is he famous for the Christmas story, but he's also one of the major prophets in the Bible. And Isaiah gives one of the more clear prophecies when it connects to the Messiah and his birth. And that's why it's so famous around this time of year, because he's very clear there's going to be a child that's going to be born, and he's going to save the world. And for some, when they heard this story, not only from Isaiah, but for the generations to follow, Like all of these generations to follow Isaiah were hearing what Isaiah said. And some of them were filled with hope. 
And hope is what got them through some very difficult seasons in their life. Because not long after Isaiah would prophesy this, several years later, a couple decades, uh, the northern kingdom of Israel would be completely wiped out. And then several years after that, the southern kingdom of Judah would be wiped out as well. Both by different nations, but both by very evil nations. And so as they were walking through these seasons, they looked at Isaiah's words and they're like, maybe Isaiah was on to something. Maybe Isaiah actually knew something that we didn't know. And so they were filled with hope. Maybe one day we'll be gone out of Assyria's control. Maybe one day we'll be out of Babylon's control. Maybe one day we'll be out of the Roman Empire and, and their control that they have over us. And so they were filled with hope. But others heard the story and they were doubtful that it was true. Maybe they had hope for a little bit. And then when it didn't happen after a couple years, they're like, that's probably not true. It's probably not true what Isaiah was saying. And we know the story. We know that was what Isaiah was saying was true. But back then they didn't know for sure. And so the way that I like to connect it with people and it connects well with my mind is the second coming of Christ. It's not happened yet. We have hope that he will come back and destroy all darkness. But we can't exactly know for sure. We can because we know it's the truth, but we haven't seen it yet. And so there's a lot of people that are skeptical that it's even going to happen. A lot of people that are filled with hope. And a lot of people that aren't so sure. While Isaiah was in the middle of this prophecy, this nation called Assyria was putting a large amount of pressure on both the northern and the southern kingdom. Assyria was large enough to where they could have easily wiped off, wiped Israel off the face of the map. And so they were starting to put pressure saying, we're going to overtake you if you don't complete our demands. And what ends up happening is a lot of people are filled with fear. Because they, they see the great power of Assyria and their military power. And they're trying to look anywhere that they can for comfort, for hope, for answers. And what Isaiah brings up and what he's noticing is that they're looking to mediums, they're looking to spiritists, they're looking to, to look to the dead and say, maybe the dead have some answers for us. And so they're looking to the dead for answers, for comfort, for guidance, and just about anything. People are turning, what that means is that people are turning to the darkness and evil to deal with the darkness and evil in the world instead of dealing with the darkness and evil in the world with the light. Isaiah knows this and he sees this and he gets a word from God about it. He addresses these things happening and to kind of sum up chapter 8 verses 19 through 22, he says, I see that you guys are looking to mediums, you're looking towards the dead for this guidance, but why would you do that when you have God? Why would you look to those mortals, those humans, instead of looking to God, the creator of the universe? Don't you think that he'd have the answers that maybe we don't? And if anyone doesn't follow God, if anyone doesn't seek guidance from God, you will walk spiritually hungry. You'll, you'll be spiritually hungry your entire life and you will look up and be enraged at God. And then you'll look down to the earth and you'll see that you, yourself, you, you only see darkness. You only see despair. 
And isn't that what a, a clear picture of what people do today? Now, I know not everyone looks at spiritualists and mediums and trying to like, you know, get out the Ouija boards and start looking and trying to communicate with the dead, but it's becoming more normalized in our society. Whether you want to see that or not, it's becoming more normal for, for my generation to type of do, that, do that type of thing. And I say that to say this too, because horoscopes, zodiac signs, astrology signs is what a lot of people are turning to so that they can find their identity in something other than Christ. And so they're looking other places other than God for all of these answers and these horoscopes will tell them what their next step is. And so people are seeking guidance for themselves by themselves and aren't talking to God about it. And where that's left them is that when things don't go their way, what do they do? Do they blame the horoscopes? No. They, do they blame their astrology signs? Probably not, because those are their identity. What they blame is God. They're like, if God's so real, why would he allow these things to happen to me? If God's so real, if God is so loving, if God is so caring, if God is so filled with hope and peace and love and joy, then why am I filled with darkness? Why do I continue to, to see all of this darkness around? Where is God at in all of this? And why isn't he here right now? And so they blame God for something that they caused themselves. If a horoscope tells you to go and do something and do it and it doesn't turn out, you can't blame God because you are following your own will. You're following your own way. But even as believers, we struggle with this because sometimes it's hard for us to not see the darkness. It's hard for us to see the light in certain situations. It's hard for us to see God. And we're often looking at our life, looking at the situations, looking at the stress that we're under, the, the uh, things that life is throwing at us. And we're like, why is this happening to me, God? Why are you doing this to me? Why are you allowing these things to happen? And this darkness is all around us. This past week, um, Chloe and I were watching TV. And uh, the news came on, which usually sig like is my mind. I'm like, okay, it's bedtime, right? Because 14 news comes on at 10, so that's my bedtime. And but we stayed up for a little bit and watched. And like the first like three or four stories was about someone murdering someone else. And it like I was like, what what are we doing? I was supposed to go to bed, but like now we're we're watching this, and it was just complete darkness. You don't have to look far to see it, and it's so easy to focus on it, to say, wow, look, you know, that person, and see all of the hurt, and see all of the pain, and oftentimes what we do is we're like, God, why aren't you doing anything about it? Why, like, we're, we're sitting here, and we're waiting for you. We're waiting for a big move of God, and God, it seems like you're just sitting here watching all of us. Why are you doing this? But honestly, a better question that we can ask is not, why is this happening to me? Why aren't you here? Why aren't you doing anything? But a better question is, where can I find you? See, a lot of the times we ask God why. But what we should be asking him is, where? Where are you at? I, I can't see you. I know you're here somewhere. I feel like I'm surrounded by darkness and I'm having trouble Seeing where you are, so Lord, where you are, so that I can find some comfort. 
so that I can find some peace, so that I can see how to love. Lord, help me see you. And what that does for us is it shifts our focus from blaming God to searching for him. Instead of blaming God for all the things that are happening in the world, we're looking for him in the midst of all the chaos, in the midst of all the darkness. And it's because hope is a powerful tool. Hope is a powerful tool, and we often, I think, underutilize it. Hope brings us motivation. It allows us to see past our current situations and focus on where God will take us. It helps us through difficult seasons because during those difficult seasons in our life, hope allows us to say, I don't know what's going to happen today. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But what I do know is that God is going to take care of me. I do know that God is going to continue to love me. He's still going to continue to give me peace when I seek out peace. And so even though my life is chaotic right now, I know God is with me. And what we can do is we can have this consistent and constant hope in Christ. And when that happens, we're not slaves to the darkness anymore because he breaks the chains and we walk into the light with him. And what I, that's what Isaiah brings to the table in chapter 9, verse 1. It says, nevertheless, there will be no more gloom. If you remember 18 or uh, chapter 8, verses 19 through 22 was all about this darkness that was happening in their time, in their day, in their age. And all those things that he was talking about then is happening now, today. And then he starts verse 9 and says, there will be no more. No more darkness. No more gloom. There is coming a day where this will not happen anymore. Those who are in distress will not be in distress anymore. Those who are unfulfilled by life, they will be fulfilled by Christ. This is the hope that we have. And so he shifts, and as he's talking about this light coming into the darkness, he says, for to us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. You see, the season of Christmas isn't about all the decorations and the presents and the Christmas trees and the family gatherings, and I, I love all of those things. Like I it kills me that we haven't decorated our house for Christmas yet. I love decorating for Christmas. But it's not about all of that. It's not about all the presents. It's about our celebration of the hope that we have in Christ. It's about us celebrating what happened thousands of years ago when Christ was, was born in the humblest of circumstances for a king to be born. It's about us celebrating this hope that Christ gives us. Because this child would be born to change the entire course of the history of the world. You see, before Christ, the entire world was, was headed towards a very deep and dark place. And Jesus came at the right time to change the course of all of human history so that we can have a hope that even though he didn't come and destroy the darkness when he came, he came to save us. And he came to save us so that when he comes back, we are not destroyed with the darkness. See, his first coming was all about saving us from the, the wrath of God. But when he comes back, that's when there will be no more gloom. 
that's when there'll be no more death, no more mourning, no more tears, no more fears. Not, none of those things are going to be happening because all of the darkness will cease to exist. My life and your life, we were destined to be going into that darkness because of our sin and our rejection to God. But Christ said, if you just believe in me, if you just trust in me, you have this hope that you will be saved. At the end of all time, you will be saved. And this child, he would grow up and he would preach and he would teach and he would live the life that we never could because he was never stained by sin. He would establish this new kingdom, a new covenant to restore what we broke. You see, uh, humans, we broke the law of God. And when we broke the law, there was no way to restore that brokenness until Christ came. And Christ became the law so that we could just follow him, not have to worry so much about all the 600 some odd rules that was in the and laws that was in the law of Moses, but that we could just follow him and be intentional about a relationship with him. And that's where we get our hope. That's how he restored what we broke. And we destroyed, because of sin, we destroyed our relationship with God. And what Jesus does, what this child would do, is bring us back to him. He would go and he would die on a cross. He would take on our punishment and bring salvation and hope. A hope for a better tomorrow. A hope for a better future. A hope for a better destination. At the end of our life, but even throughout all the struggles and and chaos that we deal with day in and day out, he gives us a hope that, hey, throughout all of this struggle, throughout all this chaos, something great is going to come out of it. That's our better destination that we have a hope for. And while we still look down to the world and that we live in and we look at the darkness and we see it, he's the light and he shines through us. And so as we look down, we still see the darkness, but we also know that with Christ is in us, we penetrate through the darkness and we can show people the way. And while we used to look up to God and blame him, now we look to God and we seek wisdom and we, and we seek love and we seek guidance and we seek hope. That whatever we're going through, whatever difficult season we face, he is there with us. For unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Because he'll always be there to comfort us in the difficult seasons of our life. And provide us the needed wisdom so that we can navigate those dark valleys. He will be called Mighty God. Because nothing will be, over, be able to overcome him. Even unto death, Christ would overcome. And all the powers of hell can stand, can, can't stand against our mighty God who fights for us. Fights our battles for us. He will be called everlasting father because his love for us will never fade. Nothing will be able to separate us from him. He was here before the foundations of the earth and he'll be here after the foundations of the earth crumble. His kingdom will never end and so he's called everlasting father, but he's also called prince of peace because in the middle of your anxious thoughts, your fears, your trials, your struggles, 
anything that life throws at you, he is the constant and only source of true peace in the midst of that chaos. I don't know if you've ever experienced that before, that indescribable peace that he gives. When you're in the middle of the most chaotic situation and you just sit back and you're like, it's okay, we got this. God's got this, it's okay. Everyone else around you is like completely terrified and filled with fear and you just happen to be the one. That's the peace that God gives. It's nothing that you can work towards and always obtain. Because you can look calm on the outside and be running around in your mind and in your heart. But it's when your heart is affected with this peace too. It's when God comes in and says, listen, I, I know you're troubled, but here's my peace. Here's my love. And it's that peace that passes all understanding. And even though he'll be called all these things, he'll also be called Christ, our Lord and our Savior and our hope. And so I just want to invite you, if you haven't accepted Christ into your life, or maybe you just, you've not been living like it, and you want to rededicate your life. Until you do that, you won't have hope. There's a lot of people in our world that doesn't have hope. They don't have the hope that we have. And so if anything, it's your call to go and share this hope with other people. Now they can reject it, they can accept it, but you'll never know what they'll do until you try. You can think all day long that someone's never going to accept the hope and the love that Christ brings, and they're just going to completely reject it for the rest of their lives. But until you invest in them and invest and try to show them that there is hope in this world, and his name is Jesus, you'll never know if they actually could. I want to close with this. Oftentimes in our life, we, we look for hope in other things. It's just Christian, non-Christian alike. We often put our hope in other things. And so I want to call you and challenge you. Don't place your hope in those things. Because those things won't last. That hope will fade. Place your hope in Christ because it will last for eternity.